You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Today it's talking about Naomi and the comeback. Of course, the greatest comeback of all times, we spoke about this on Easter, was our Lord Jesus Christ because he came back from the dead and was alive again. As we mentioned, Sports Illustrated did a story on the top 10 comebacks of all time, and number one was Jesus Christ coming back from the dead. Today's a comeback. It's about an intriguing woman by the name of Naomi, and from all odds, it is, she is on the mat. It is the three count or the 10 count. It looks like it is over, but she comes back, and she makes history. It's a great story. We're going to talk about it today. A very, very intriguing woman. Her story is found in the book of Ruth, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ruth. And would you say with me today, thank you, Lord, for the book of Ruth. Here we are, Ruth chapter 1. If you got your Bible here, if you have it on your phone, open it up on your phone, your iPhone, whatever, however you got it, you got your iPad, however it's working for you, let's go to God's Word and read it today. And just before we do that, would you, because it's a full house, would you look at your neighbor and just say, I'm so glad I'm sitting beside you today. Hopefully we meet somebody new and give them a smile before we go. As we go to the book of Ruth, a couple of things just to help you understand this. Uh, We've got a couple main characters. Naomi, the lady we're talking about today, her name means pleasant, beautiful, or sweet. That's what her name means. And uh, her husband's name is Elimelech, meaning God is king. And the story starts off in Bethlehem and then moves over to Moab. Uh, Moab at that time was a land that was on the other side of the Dead Sea. If you know where the map of where Israel is, kind of the Dead Sea to the east and south of Jerusalem. Well, she went to the other side of the Dead Sea on the east side. That's where Moab was. Moab was a land that was, they were their enemies, their descendants of Lot. Lot had a couple of boys, and one of the names was Moab, and these children were born in incest and drunkenness. So the headwaters of this nation is really corrupt, and as a result, the people are pretty corrupt. So that's what Moab represents. It represents a corrupt place, really an enemy to the people of God. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. He's got two boys. The name of, his, name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife was Naomi, and the name of his sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Quick survey. How many here this morning, how many ladies have the name Naomi? Any Naomi's here this morning? Okay, we got one there. Anybody else? Yes, all the Naomi's. How many know somebody named Naomi? You all do now. We got somebody here, so you all know somebody named Naomi. So Naomi's a, it's a pretty common name. Anybody here, any guys named Malon? Is your name Malon? Anybody named Malon this morning? We don't have any Malons. Anybody named Chilion today? Any guys named Chilion? They're not very popular names and for good reason. See, they named their sons these names when they were in a really hard time. 
Elimelech, you know, there's some questionable things about this man, this husband, the things that he did. And one of the things I really question why he named his boys this, because Malon means weak. How would you like to grow up? And every time you're, you're called, hey, weak, come over here and give me a hand. Hey, this is my son, weak. I, it's like kind of growing up and my name is Sue. How do you do? You know, it's, if you remember that old Johnny Cash song, he just... It's not the best name. Chilean was the name of the other son, and that meant failing or pining. Not a, you know, this is my son failing. <laughs> Grade one. This is my son. Says my son Johnny. This is my John failing. How do you think he's going to do in school? So they, they're in a hard time, and they pass it on to their kids. Oftentimes, we're in a hard place. Our kids end up getting it passed on to them, and this is how this story starts. Famine in the land. It starts with a famine, but it ends with... A great harvest. It starts with funerals and ends with marriages. So it ends good. So hang in there. Verse 3, then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. So book starting off at kind of a rough place. He's left. He's gone to Moab, and he's got two sons. They took wives of the women of Moab. The men, the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Then both Malon and Chilin also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. She's had three funerals already. Husband, buried her husband. She buried her two boys. How do you know this lady has had some challenges already in her life? Her husband took her from the place of Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. This was where the, the wings of refuge were for the people. And she, he takes his family to Moab, which is enemy territory. There he dies. There the sons die. She's a widow. No social net. She can't go complex, uh, collect unemployment insurance. There's, there's nothing like that. Her livelihood, her support was dependent upon having men around her. And she's lost her men, and she's in another country. No family, no life group, no church. She's far from all of that, and she's been there for 10 years. So she's in a hard place, but she's an intriguing woman. You're going to find out about her comeback and how she did this this morning. Verse number 6. Then she rose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab that she had heard in the... For she had heard in the country of Moab the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from that place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they were on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. In other words, you, know, uh, you may as well go back to your homes. She kissed them. They lifted up their voices and wept. They wanted to stay with Naomi. And, she said, and they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Now, you have to understand at this point as we're reading this, Naomi is, she's, she's drained. She's She's really having to pick herself up off the floor and say, I got to go back. So understand at this point in her life, she's spent, she's tired, she's lost, she's poor, she's in another country, and you, and you see her pain as she talks here to her daughters. Turn back, my daughters, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should ha say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? In other words, girls, I'm not going to be able to give you some more sons. So you may as well just go back. Verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, 
young, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth says, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more so also if anything but death parts you and me. So Ruth is saying, I'm going with you, Naomi, no matter what. So when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Nothing's talked about anymore. Now they're going together. The two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. Now, again, that's quite a journey. So she's got to kind of walk down around the Dead Sea and then come back up towards Bethlehem, close to Jerusalem. So it's quite a journey, hot, dry land. When I was in Jordan, I went to Petra. That's an amazing place to see, Petra. It's one of the wonders of the world. And when you go from Petra to Mon Jordan, you travel on the road where the Moabites live, where Ruth would have been, where Naomi would have been. To me, it reminded me a lot of southern Saskatchewan, kind of dry, open land, cultivated fields. And uh, so they left that. They walked down into the Dead Sea. Dead Sea is a very hot, low place. And you come back out of that. Then she would have walked up towards Bethlehem. So quite a journey. And she was going back there to her people. They came to Bethlehem, verse 19, it happened when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was excited. And we think city, we think something like Vancouver, but it's not big like Vancouver. It is really like going into a smaller town. Everybody had heard about it. They walk in and they're excited and they said, is this Naomi? They're kind of surprised that she's back. And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt with me bitterly. It means bitter. Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. I went out full... And the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. So they come back at harvest time. Remember, they'd left her in famine, and they come back, and it's harvest time. She's in a predicament. There's no doubt about it, Naomi, when she is in the Moabite land, She's in a tough place. And I don't know why her husband packed them all up and left at the first time that something went wrong. And he headed to the last place that he should have gone to. In the Old Testament, the people, the blessing was on the people when they were in the land. In the New Testament, the blessing is on God's people when they're in the Lord. They had to be in the land in the New Testament, when we're in the Lord. In the Old Testament, the blessing was on a place. In the New Testament, the blessing is through a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Bethlehem, meaning house of bread, was the place you wanted to be. It wasn't perfect, but it's a place you want it to be. Church is not perfect, but it's a place you want to be. This is what our Lord set up. He said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So it was those who are planted in the house will flourish. This is by no means a perfect place, but there's something about strength. It's a covering. It's a protection over our lives. They, when they came back, they said, you've come back to your place of refuge. It's under these wings that you'll be safe. And for whatever reason... This husband, Elimelech, he packs up his two young boys and his wife, and he goes to the last place he should have gone. 
And sometimes the first sign of a challenge or trouble, we say, you know what, I'm going through a bit of a hard time. I think I'm just going to go back to an old lifestyle. I'm going to go back to the way the world does it. And for a while, it's okay. But all of a sudden, you realize that now it's bitter now it's sour, and I really need to get back to where I was. This is what she does. She comes back to the place she should be. Psalm 91 is a great psalm. I put it in there for you because it talks about dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. They will abide there under the shadow of the Almighty. And the psalmist writes here, he says, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. And we need to stay in that fortress. We need to stay in that safe place as they should have stayed in Bethlehem. I like this story because even though they'd left, she comes back and she's restored. That's the good news is we can come back to the place and be restored. And that's what she does. So let's talk about her comeback this morning. Why did she do? What did she do to make a comeback? Well, number one, she took action on some good news. I put in your notes there, Ruth chapter 1 verse 6 out of the Message Bible. It says, one day she got herself together. You can circle, got herself together. You know, when you're down and out and it seems like everything went wrong and you're like, God, what am I doing here living in the land of Moab? I should be over there where the blessing is. You can have a pity party and you can just say, my husband's dead, my sons are dead, I, I'm broke, I'm poor. Or you can say, wait a minute, even like the prodigal son, my servants, my dad's servants have it better than I do. The Bible says he came to his senses. Naomi, an intriguing woman, really a strong woman of character, now that her husband's gone and her boys are gone, she says, I'm going back. She says, I'm going back to Bethlehem. She got herself together. Folks, that took a lot of courage. I think that took a lot of guts to say, I'm going back. Then we read on, it says, she and her two daughters-in-law to leave the country of Moab. If you want to live in the blessings of God, you have to leave, so to speak, the world. Disengage. Last night when we had these baptismal candidates up front, and a number of them said, there came a place in my life where I couldn't be, have one foot in the world and one foot in God. I had to make a choice. Either I was going to sell out and follow God, or I wasn't. And so I made a choice not to be lukewarm. Jesus said, I got a problem with people that are lukewarm. He said, I wish you'd make up your mind, be hot or cold, because when you're lukewarm, you make me vomit, so make up your mind. And so uh, last night we had a number of say, you know what, no more one foot in the world, one foot in church, I'm going to be totally in Bethlehem, and I've decided to follow Jesus. This is her. She said, I'm coming back, and I'm, and I'm going home. She'd heard that God was pleased to visit his people and to give them food. She was not living in the best place for a mom. Moab was not the best place. Bethlehem was the best place for a mother. I read about the top 10 countries of the world to live in as a mother and the top worst, not, not the top, the worst 10 places to live in the world as a mom. Here's the list. I'll put them up on the screen for you. And what surprised me was that Canada, thankfully, is not on the bottom 10, but I didn't see Canada on the top 10. The worst place for a mom in the world is Afghanistan. Probably not a surprise to us, considering all that's gone on in that country. But the stats are that one out of four children in Afghanistan do not make it to the age of five. That's how challenging it is for mothering your children in Afghanistan. All the more reason to pray for that nation. But then on the other side, Norway's number one. Australia made number two. I talked to a lady this morning downstairs after the service. She's visiting our city from Australia with her daughter. And she said, I was grateful to see our country made number two. And I said, 
I asked her, well, is it really a great place to be a mother? She says, oh, absolutely. We have an amazing country to live in. But then I'd like to respond. She says, all the more reason that we as citizens of Australia need to help these other countries to be great places for moms. What a great response. Then I looked for Canada on that top 10 list. We didn't make it. U.S. came in at number 31. Canada came at number 20. I, I don't know if it's pride but I just kind of thought Canada would make the list. So in humility, I'm saying we need, we're not done. And one of the reasons I said Canada didn't make the list is because in our cities, there's a lot of good care for moms and good facilities, but in our rural areas, up north, in other parts of our land, uh, it's very difficult for some moms to be good moms. And so, folks, it's... Uh, it's, we need to pray for our country. We, we, we have work to do. And, uh, of course, we were praying last week, and I hope we're praying this week for our newly elected government. They need lots of prayer. But uh, let's believe God to get Canada on the list as a top place for a mother to be. And uh, that means locally, but also this is primarily thinking about the poor areas of our nation. Really easy just to live in downtown Vancouver in this urban world and, and not see the hurting and the poverty that we have in our nation. We often focus a lot of attention on the east side, as we should, and other pockets of our city. But as a whole, we have, I heard this past week at the leadership prayer breakfast, Judy Graves was speaking, and she said in the last number of years, the number of our homeless in Vancouver has been cut in half. And that was a great praise report to see the work that's being done right here in our city. And I think we not only be working in our city, I think especially as believers, we need to be looking across the nation of Canada. What can we do to help these other communities have a great place for mothers to raise children? So anyhow, that's just a little bit of a side note that Moab was probably number 165 on the list, and she decides to, to move on. So she took action on good news, and I think that we must do the same thing. If we want to have a comeback, you've got to make a choice. There's good news out there, and the good news is this, that God is for you. There's a way out of your mess, and he'll never leave you. He'll go with you, and there's a place waiting for you. There is a Bethlehem for you. And then secondly, she finds out who is really with her, and we know that Ruth is with her. You know, when you are on the mat and you're about done, the business went sideways, the relationships went sideways, and you feel like you're in Moab, and you're wondering, does anybody care? You'll find out who your friends really are. And she finds out that Ruth is willing to go with her. She leaves her family, she leaves her country, she leaves her culture, she leaves her gods. She says, Naomi, I'm going with you. Something intriguing about Naomi. What was it about Naomi that it was so attractive that Ruth says, no, I'm going with you. I think Naomi had incredible faith. I think she went through a lot of pain, and she was able to pull herself up and say, I'm going back. And that was so attractive that Ruth says, I'm going with you. No matter what, I am going to be with you. Nothing separating me from you. I see something in you, Naomi. I see a fight. I see a spirit. There's something about you, and I want to go back with you. I think Ruth gave her probably the greatest Mother's Day present that any mother could have, and that is the gift of trust. She was saying, Naomi, I trust you. I don't know this land. I don't know Bethlehem. I don't know what all you're telling me, but I trust you. I'm going with you. 
one of the greatest gifts we can give our mothers or our parents is, okay, I trust you. You may be here and say, well, that's easy to say, but you don't know what my parents did. Just to say, okay, you know what? I'll start again on a fresh page. I'm going to extend grace to you and try again to build relationships, if that's your case. Um, and then also, like I mentioned, a courage for her to go back to her community. I put your notes in your notes, Ruth 119, so the two continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was stirred by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? Naomi's got a few gray hairs, and they, they see her come walking into town, and the women are talking, the town's talking. Hey, do you see Naomi's back? You see Naomi's back? Is that really Naomi? Where's her husband? I don't know. Where's the boys? I don't know. Who's with her? Looks like a Moabite. She's dressed like a Moabite. Ooh, that's weird. What's she doing? So they're all talking about Naomi coming back into town. But I have to say this about this town of Bethlehem. By the looks of it, they got around her and they encouraged her. By the looks of it, because by the end of it, they said, Naomi, you're amazing. And this Ruth that you brought, she's better than seven sons. They welcomed her back, church. She had left. She had backslid, if you like. Her husband had made a mistake. She had lost her sons. It looked like tragedy. She's broke. She's poor. You know what her husband did? He sold the land. They had land. They had property. He sold all that. It was squandered. It was done. She's coming back broke, a widow. She's an outcast in her society, and she walks in. But that Bethlehem community put their arms around her. You know, I think we have people in our coastal community. And for whatever reason, they went to a Moab place. And then one day they come back through. And when they're coming through the doors, you know, they're wondering, will they like me? Will they reject me? Will they push me away? Or will they put their arms around me? When the prodigal son came home, the dad said, ran to him, put his arms around him, said, welcome home. But the older brother didn't do that. Let's not be like the older brother. If we see somebody that hasn't been for a long time and you know that they went sideways, let's as a church community say, man, we're, we're putting our arms around you. Welcome back. Let's be like this Bethlehem community. Let it be a house of bread where they really feel like they're fed and encouraged when they come back. One of the things that helped Naomi on her comeback was that she, didn't, she focused not on herself. There's no pity party when she arrives. She goes right to work on helping Ruth uh, adopt to a new place, a new culture. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, why God bless that man. God hasn't quite walked out on us after all. He still loves us in bad times as well as good. Naomi went on, that man, Ruth, is one of our circle of covenant redeemers, a close relative of ours. What had happened was, Ruth went out because they didn't have anything, and they were allowed to pick up the grain that was left after the others had harvested. And so she went out and she began to pick up the leftover grain, but Boaz gives her a whole bunch of extra grain and says, you can always come to my field, you can drink at my well, my guys will protect you, you're always welcome back here. And a little light goes on in Naomi, and Naomi becomes a matchmaker, and she says, that's the guy you want to hang out with. Let me help you get this thing set up, and let's get you married here, because this is really going to work. And she goes about doing that. She's focusing on her daughter-in-law. 
One of the ways for comeback is not to focus on your own problem, but to start helping other people around you. And this is what Naomi does. She's an intriguing woman. That's a key part of anybody's comeback, is not just to focus on your problem, but to say, how can I help somebody else? And she begins to do that. The other thing that we see about Naomi is she's thinking about the next generation. She had lost two boys. She's got no grandkids. She lost her husband. But there's something ticking in still, still inside of Naomi. She would like to see her lineage continue. She's thinking about it. She gets her daughter-in-law hooked up with Boaz. That's a whole other story. But I love the way that she brings her daughter-in-law to Bethlehem. I love the way that she helps her adjust to a new culture. And she's, she reaches out, she explains it to her, and she, she draws her daughter-in-law in. Man, I salute Naomi for that. I salute every mom that had their picture of their children. And we did that little children's church video. Every mom behind all those kids was a mother that got them ready for church, that got their best clothes on or, or got them ready, gave them a, you know, a little bit of a snack before they went and dropped off a diaper bag perhaps. There's a lot of work to get kids to children's church. It, 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 you, you do something to get them there. There's an effort involved behind that. That's a mom saying and a dad saying, let's go to Bethlehem where the house of bread is. There's work behind that. Naomi's bringing her daughter-in-law to the house of bread. And then we have a whole bunch of youth today at youth church. We've got a whole bunch of uh, young adults that are, that, are, that are in the house. You know why they're here? Because there's, there's some Naomi's around. There's some moms that are saying we need to be in youth. We need to be in young adults. And they're, they're bringing them to Bethlehem. And you don't have to go very far in our city, and you can walk into church, and all you see is gray hair. Where, where are the young people? Where are the kids? Where are they? I've talked to a lot of pastors in different years, and they're going, you know what? I heard you have lots of young people in your church. You know why they're there? Moms, dads, come on, let's go. We're going to church. Come on. It takes work. It takes effort to make, them, make that happen. And then there's leadership that says, come on, let's, let's make it real. Let's make it fun. Let's make it relevant. Let's make it understandable for the next generation. We start our year off with that, the next generation. William Booth was an amazing communicator. You'll know him as the founder of the Salvation Army. And he was reaching out to the next generation. He was reaching out to people that lived in Moab that were hurting and poor and broken. And he said, I've got to reach these people. You know one of the best ways to reach people is through music. So he began to take the tunes of the day, secular tunes, rewrite them, put different lyrics to them, and then he used brass instruments instead of the traditional instruments. And that was really radical of the day. Today, when you see a Salvation Army and got their brass instruments, you almost think it's old school. But at the day, that was cutting edge. That was as cutting edge as you can be. And he reached a whole new generation with that. Well, at church, we're doing the same thing today. We're, we want to reach that next generation, not change the message, but make it understandable for them. The young adults and the youth, they got this weekend coming up, and they put together this little video, and uh, they took a tune that's really popular today, rewrote the words to it, got out in the street and did a dance to it. And they said, hey, come on, let's go to this. We're hoping that moms continue, dads continue to support them. Come on, go, get into Bethlehem, be a part of it. I thought you might want to watch their work this morning. It's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. I'll show it to you, and then we'll finish up. 
James Fam has got a saying. I want, to, I want to go to camp. I don't know about you. But you know what that camp is, seriously, folks? Bethlehem. Back to Bethlehem. House of bread. And next generation. What's Ruth doing? She's going to camp. Who's bringing her? Naomi. And what happens? She's rewarded for it in a way that absolutely is astounding. Let me wrap it up here. She was rewarded with a grandson and a place in history. What happens? She marries Boaz, they have a son named Obed. This is a Moabite woman. 
she looks like her life is over. No hope, never getting married again. I'm coming to a strange land. No hope for me, unqualified. I got a God who qualifies the unqualified. We have a God who restores the unrestorable and brings hope where there was no hope. And this is what happens to Ruth. She marries Boaz. They have a son named Obed. And now you have Grandma Naomi. And the Bible says she took that grandson, she held him in her hands, and she cared for that little grandson like it was her own son. Her dream to have a child, like another boy, completed. This grandson becomes the grandpa of King David. What a lineage. Through that lineage comes our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see God's grace in this? Can you see how he brings hope? Can you see how he can take a mess and make a message out of it? So you may feel like, man, I am on the downer now, but there is a comeback God. Naomi, what an intriguing woman. Responding to the love of God, goes back to Bethlehem. As a mom, she did some amazing things. Now, God today is speaking to our hearts and our lives. And you may be here, you feel like you live in Moab, and you feel God's calling you home. Or you could be here, and maybe you're just on the, on the mat, and it seems like life has just been wrong and done you bad. God cares about that and wants to restore your life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.